0: Making the economic crisis worse, unemployment is also on the increase here. One of the biggest poultry producers in the country, Capiquin Chickens, has confirmed it's to begin winding down its plant in Waterford. Dark
1: clouds have hung over the company since it went into liquidation two and a half weeks ago. A buyer could not be found, and now the jobs are gone. I don't know.
2: It is very hard to know where we're going to get work now, like. It says, really.
1: The process of winding down this company begins today. And within six weeks, this business and a tradition which has been going on for over half a century will be gone forever. Damien Tiernan, RT News, Capoquin.
2: September 16th, 2008 was a bad day in Capoquin. It was a day when the past and present collided to hinder the future. Capoquin, a town of about a thousand people, had become heavily dependent over the previous 50 years on its homegrown enterprise. Capoquin chickens.
3: We were inside in Capoquin in a local bar and we were standing and we were with a group of friends and I said to Ned, please don't talk about chickens now tonight. We were just after building a chicken house and after costing a lot of money and a fella that was standing beside me, a friend of ours said, Kate he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Kate everybody that lives in Capoquin Works in Capoquin chickens, or their mother, or their father, or their sister, or their brother. He said they all have connection with Capoquin chickens. So he said, when you come into Capoquin, that's all they talk about. And that was 17 years ago. Now there'll be nothing to talk about.
2: For the majority of us, chickens are what we eat. But down in Capoquin, they mean much, much more.
4: Ned and Kate Morrissey have built their lives around rearing chickens in Capoquin. My name is Ned Morrissey. I'm a poultry and dairy farmer. I live in about three miles from Capacuin. Uh, we're living in a very scenic spot here. We can see Mount Mallory across the glen there. and uh, Even if you go a little bit higher up, you can almost see all the way down to Ardmore. We have two poultry houses. We rear 60,000 chickens over a period of six weeks. And we have two-week break and then six, 60,000 chickens all over again for another six weeks. We've been at this now for the past say about 15 years it's been very much part of our working life our livelihood and I suppose um, also it's the job you know I think what I have at the moment is my last batch of chickens and at the minute they're due to go out in about three weeks time and then the house will be empty and we don't really know what what's to become of the whole thing then like all along like things were going bad for the past couple of years but and uh, nobody ever realized that that this day would ever come. You know, they thought that that would we'll still struggle on get out the other end of this, but unfortunately now it looks like the day is done. Chicken and Capoquin is about identity.
2: It's something that the community is fiercely proud of. And almost everyone has a sense of
4: ownership of the business. Anytime I ever anyone asked me where I was from I'd say from Capoquin, and straight away Capoquin Chickens is the first thing that they would say and Irrespective of where you go, you see Capoquin chickens vans going around the place. Like say Capoquin, and people will always automatically say Capoquin chickens.
2: To understand the story of Capoquin chickens and all that goes with it,
4: there's really only one story to follow: the chicken. That's it. We'll go out and say hello to the final generation of Capoquin chickens. Chickens now. <laughs> this is um. There's five generations of Morrisseys have been here now. I'm the. Well, like I'd say with my kids now it'll be six generations like in, in this area like you know and so it's farming like my, like I said my father was he had a dairy farm here and he was a cream manager in Capoquin. before him my grandfather his father uh, at that stage you would say there was there was everything on the farm they, they had chickens pigs horses cows cattle everything like you know, that was every farm was like that at that stage and um all of my grand-uncles then, uh, they, well, well, later on in the years, they used to, they actually used to work for the council maintaining some of the roads in, in, in the area. Um, one of them was in the Merchant Navy. Some of them were in the British Army. Different things like that, like, as different, as, as generations go by. It's amazing how things do change, like, you know, that uh, going back a couple of generations ago, so many people so many people from here moved away, like you know that. Whereas you'd be hoping this generation they won't have to move away.
2: About a week or so after the announcement of Capaquin chickens closing down, I arrived at Ned and Kate's farm just outside Capaquin to follow their last batch of chickens. As it turned out, there'd be a couple of twists along the way.
4: My routine every time I come into chicken house, the first thing I do is I walk over. There's two computers, one for climate and one for management. The temperatures maintained properly. The other thing that I check is feed consumption, water consumption. So you'd always watch watch the feed and water consumption closely because that is the real true indicator of how they're performing, and it's very important that they perform to their maximum. So just stepping in here now, there's the few, I just made bucket here. Just to, if I catch anything that's not performing to what it should be at. Now, these birds are, like I say, about 16 days old. Sutter milling is the milling that's feeding them. Uh, I've been doing business with sutter milling ever since I started 17 years ago, Uh, 16 years ago. They look to be a great bunch of birds. I walk the whole house thoroughly every day, uh, make sure all the equipment is working properly, that there's feed in the pans, and the drinkers are working okay, and that if there's anything that's not too healthy here, either be it dead or... Sick. I take it, this taken out immediately some chicks when you get them for some reason when you get them first on day one, you put you put out strips of paper and put feed on them uh, to start them off. but a few of the chicks then once the feed runs out in the paper for some reason they just don 't start feeding eating out of the pans, so they, they, they tend to be substantially smaller than the rest and with the pressures on making the thing as profitable as possible. Like, if, if there's any little hiccup in in growth rate in a day, if you lose a day's, a day's growth, you'll end up feeding for an extra day at the other end. So that basically can be a profit. Like, it's 400 euros a tonne per feed. Uh, this house of birds will eat uh, about between 110 and 120 tonne of feed. So coming up to the end, they're eating... They can be eaten up to five or six tonne a day. So... You certainly don't want to be feeding for an extra day because that's your profit. well and truly gone then. There's a little fellow now that's very small, so he's no dog food. Mortality for a batch now would be somewhere in the region of 3% usually. The house that we're in here now, it's 260 feet long, it's 60 feet wide. It's a forced ventilation house, which means there's fans in the roof, they're extracting the air. Basically, there are at this stage the best part of 30,000 birds still in the house. They're free to roam around. There's uh, lines of feeders and drinkers down along the house. You you are you could say you're required by law at this stage that they are comfortable at all times. Like you know, so the, the litter is reasonably dry, and you know that they have a very comfortable existence. And I would think looking at these birds, they're, they're they're looking like a very happy bunch of birds at the minute. If a chicken isn't comfortable, it's not going to perform to its maximum. You have to make sure that it, the chicken is a contented, happy chicken because. It, you won't get the performance you need out of the board to actually make a living out of them so it's very important that those birds are kept everything is perfect perfect for them I'd say aside from the, one of my sons that comes over here that, to pick the dead chickens with me you're the only person that probably will be setting foot in this chicken house aside from them you know that the, the, the chances of them being exposed to disease is, you could say is practically slim, slim to zero you know so the Irish flock from that point of view is very well protected from diseases. You know, so the health of the birds is excellent.
2: There's something very strange about the fact that there are more
4: measures in place to protect a chicken than there are to protect the man who earns his livelihood from rearing them. When I started growing chickens first, and I remember going to poultry meetings, they're talking about that... uh, imports are a great threat like there were something like 10 15 percent of the market now is taken up by imports like at this stage imports make up over 60 percent of the poultry meat that's eating in, eaten in ireland now and i'm quite sure in a year's time it would be 70 75 percent because and the the problem is goes back to this thing of country of origin labeling the people that bring in the chicken are becoming more and more ingenious in the ways of hoodwinking the consumer into thinking they're actually eating Irish chicken, uh, like so much product on the shelves in supermarkets. Like it's very frustrating for me to go through. I often go to walk through the supermarkets and just see what is available now and how much effort they go to in creating a label that gives you the impression it's Irish. Yes, and it's
3: not given. It's not been fair to the housewife when she's going in to buy chicken, and they, I think the majority of people are willing to pay an extra euro or whatever if they're guaranteed it's an Irish chicken but so many people would come and say to you I'm sick of going in and and seeing quality Irish chicken when it's not it's not the country of origin isn't on it they're not labeled properly they're brought in from foreign and they're just relabeled as being Irish chicken it's so unfair
4: like a certain amount of this thing is called substantial transformation where if they add something like 15 percent to the value of a product it then becomes Irish, and they put a big green sticker "produce of Ireland" on it, and because and the, but the reason they go to those efforts is because they know the consumer wants Irish. There's no point in them bringing in a Brazilian chicken and not going to them efforts because the consumer suspects if all they don't go to all these efforts, the consumer won't buy it because they know it's not Irish. So they have to like quality assured is the is the thing now. You will go into a lot of supermarkets now, and you will see quality assured. They will actually make up a a label a green label with quality assured written on it now, but they don't claim it's Irish, but they're they're getting onto the back of this thing of quality assured Irish chicken like that was this was uh, our sole focus on selling Irish chicken up to now was bored be a quality assured chicken and now the supermarkets are latching onto this as a way of who do you think making the consumer to thinking god this this must be it like this is the one we should be buying you know but from God knows where in the world like this thing with traceability is an absolute joke you know whereas uh, like my chicken like every chicken I produce my name is on that chicken in the supermarket you know and always when I, when I go into supermarkets and see my name there like and it's a fine a hell of a fine chicken I'm very proud of my chicken in the supermarket like you know but um, when I saw see all these fillets there and these labels stuck on them you know with the, these green labels stuck on them like you know and I know I know they're not Irish But it's very, very annoying for me. Like someday I'm going to dive in over a butcher's counter and choke somebody. (laughs) It's rubbishing the product. That's That's what it's happening like, you know, and it's cheapening the product. It's a whole new world out there. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's changing fast from an Irish agricultural point of view and from a rural community point of view now.
2: Cappaquin, like many other towns around Ireland, changed dramatically within the last 50 years. Yet during all of this time, Capoquin chickens steadily grew into one of the biggest employers in the West
4: Waterford area. Yeah, well, when I was in primary school, I went to primary school in Capoquin, and my father was the cream manager inside in Capoquin as well. So, when I was very young, I spent a lot of my time in Capoquin town itself. And I can remember being a, a, as a very, very busy place. Like, it was um, everybody from surrounding area used to come in there to do all of their business. There was no such thing as going, going to Clonmel or Dungavn or any bigger town to do anything. You know, everything, Capoquin was the absolute hub everything you can imagine was there like there was loads of pubs there was even a hotel quite a few grocery shops a number of butcher shops everything you can imagine was all there like you know cobbler shoemaker um all that was required was in Capricorn whereas now like it seems such a it will I would think if Capricorn chicken's claws down it will turn into a very sleepy town. at the moment we have a supermarket and two chemists and Quite a number of the pubs have closed down. Um, Business wise, there's very, very little there. It'll end up as a very, very quiet
2: place. In the days following the announcement of the closure, nothing much had changed in the town, except everyone was beginning to wonder about their
4: future. Now, this is our soccer club here now. As you can see, um, Astor's our pitch and floodlights have been done only in the past couple of months like quite a bit of money has been spent in the place Like and it was done in anticipation of the prosperity in Capricorn continuing but unfortunately now that the worry is will there be people there that will, will be willing to pay five euros an hour to play soccer there'd be, there'd be a, a very long connection between both the GA club and the soccer club you know and, and the and the fact that both of them are very they're very strong thriving clubs at the moment it was um as a result of Capricorn chickens being here in the first place you know so. we can hear
2: the sound of the future there in front of
4: us in the playground. all oh, the kids from the surrounding area are in there now the the next generation coming up, and quite a few of them would have been working in some uh, shape or form in Capricorn chickens if it had survived yeah, what their future is now God only knows when the primary employer in the area just disappears you know, you'd know, you wonder what's this place going to be like or is it going to be like a complete ghost town in a couple of years time there's one of the ministers now John O'Donoghue TD opened 5th of April 2007, the community hall here, which is another great facility. And needless to say, Capricorn Chickens had a lot of input into the fact that this exists here because there's so, many, so much employment in the area. Prosperity exists in the town for this to be built.
0: Well, I'd say the immediate impact within the next few months, it will have an effect. Uh, It has a negative effect enough already on the town and the people working in Capcom chickens, unfortunately. Um, It is devastating for the town. It um, will have a knock-on effect for the community centre as we do have families and parents... Working in Capquin, chickens that have their children here in the crash and the preschool, we have a number using the sports hall and the gym. And um, financially, I suppose people won't be as affluent with money if they're out of work.
4: To be a wide-ranging thing, like it isn't only just farmers or even employees like the this businesses.
0: Everything. It's even as small as our lotto here. You know, yeah. we have Capquin workers buying lotto tickets. We do a weekly lotto. They can They won't be buying those anymore. Because not even the finance—they're just not gathered, working in the one position. It'll be just impossible for them to be taking tickets. We just can't reach out to these people because they might be work. They might be living ten miles away. You know, just as small as that yeah, yeah, affects yeah. everybody.
5: Yeah. Well, from our own perspective, for, for me as a food retailer, we're known. We known as a, a food nation. We've these people depending on, and on, and on, and growing poultry around us. It's all they know. All the people know in the factory. I know if I'm providing for my family food for the table. I want it to be Irish chicken. Produced, grown by local people yeah. around us. That's yeah. what it's all about, support, local sustainability. Yeah, yeah. No, I, can't, yeah that's I can't get to grips with it as well. I can't yeah. just understand I mean, the logic it's of it all well.
2: Because, I mean, it started losing the old day of the bacon factory. Then the uh, banks went and the creamery. And now we're left with um, Capquin chickens gone. And it's just going down, down, down.
5: Communities are being sucked into... Larger regional centres into Dungarvan, out of the likes of Lismore, Slizmore, Kapaquin, Tallow, and places well, like Into regional yeah, centres. Small towns are under pressure. Yeah. Under pressure. At some point along the line, are we going to head towards what we have, what we've seen in the UK? You know, in the local community, are we going to see local shops disappear off the face of the earth? Are you going to be driving? Are you going to be driving into Dungarvan for your milk? Do you know, mm-hmm. is that what people want?
4: This is the tavern pub here now. Gentlemen,
6: how are you doing? Take that, there was two hundred people working in the plant, clearing about four hundred quid a week. That's about eighty thousand a week that the town and Nunn Garden is going to miss. Yeah, they just won't have so the good. buying power.
1: Yeah,
6: yeah. So it's um, it's a total disaster.
1: Yeah.
6: Well, I was doing for the past several years now just relief sales for them uh, when a salesman would be in holidays or a salesman got sick. I suppose it's hard to blame uh, a, a guy that's throwing maybe 100 boxes of uh, fillets a week if he can buy them at 25-30% less than Capacuin or selling them and the public weren't kicking up over it. Well, it was hard to blame him. He was making more money for himself. Is there going to be any stopping to this? these foreign fillets coming in?
4: that comes back to this thing how we've been arguing for country of origin labelling like it's a crazy situation there's 3.8 million fillets a week coming into Ireland now fresh fillets now this yeah. is what they call fresh and like you the fact that you're selling chicken like that that must be some insult Like when you walk into a butcher's and see that rubbish in there like you know and Just the quality you heart. have like yeah yeah uh, like say a million butchers that'll
6: be taking 10 boxes a week up to the guys, the bigger crowds that are taking 50, 80 boxes of fillets a week, and you walk in and you see a corner there with them and uh, a big green shamrock label, and anyone to look at it's uh, guaranteed Irish. Yeah.
4: Coming from all parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and, and the scandalous thing about that is like the so It's like as someone if there's been a death in the family, like, you know everybody you talk to like they talk about it like as if you're at a funeral like that's the sort of conversation it goes on like they, you know uh, people are very kind of quiet about it and it is tearing the heart out of the community from the point of view that it's uh, it's hard to put it into words but it's more than just a livelihood you know it is, the fact that it has been there for generations like that it's just I suppose kind of part of what Capricorn is now you know <laughs>
2: As Capoquin Chicken struggled over the past few years, everyone involved with them in business did their best to get them back on their feet.
4: Over the past whatever, to three, or four months now, there's so many false dawns. There was great news one day that there was somebody going to buy it, and the next day they were gone. And just the main thing is that a buyer would buy it before it went into liquidation from examinership, and then the the the, the date passed and it went into liquidation. There was an awful lot of depression in the place and then there was talks of somebody going to buy it again and there was an awful, in the meantime there was an awful lot of rumours going around the place so it was all by somebody kind of running with a new story and everyone would be delighted and then the next minute there'd be disaster again. Just when all hope was lost, on the 3rd of October,
2: this happened.
1: Just before 7 o'clock this evening, workers emerged from a meeting with the new owners of Capricorn Chickens which will now be called Capricorn Poultry Limited. The new company is jointly owned by Derby Poultry Processors and some of the former directors of Capacuin Chickens.
7: But everybody must understand that the plant is in a difficult situation. There's only two options, either to keep it going and move forward in a space of time or close it.
6: I see indications here that ways forward uh, you know, can be found, but it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be easy for people.
1: But there's a lot of anger as well in the week that the government can save the banks. They can't bring in a simple law regarding the changing of labelling for imported chicken, a move which a lot of people here feel would safeguard hundreds of jobs in the poultry industry across the country. There's still a lot of anger tonight as well. Anger that the workers are going to have to take what in effect is a 17.5% pay cut and that they'd been told that a job, any type of job, is better than no job at all.
2: About a week or so later, I called back to Ned to
4: check in on his chickens. Since we met last now, the liquidator sold the processing plant to uh, Derby Poultry and a number of other investors. Other than that, not a whole lot has happened um, from a grower's point of view, it's it's all very much up in the air. Nobody really knows whether they're actually interested in doing business with us or not. Like you know, I'm just growing up my current batch of chickens, and there's no sign at the moment of me getting another batch of chickens. no, or nobody is, No other grower has been given indication whether he's getting chickens either or not. You know, so there's a lot of doubt out there still.
2: For months now, Capaquin and the surrounding areas had lived in hope that a new buyer would bring a steady future. But it was never going to be that easy.
4: The the workers were asked to go back to the minimum wage and after a bit of negotiation, they managed to get €9 euros an hour. The, the possibility of that prosperity that a, a new buyer was going to bring certainly didn't materialise because with people on such a low wage, there's not there's going to be an awful lot less money about, you know. So, from the point of view of like the, let's say the visiting the pub we visited, the community centre, the the soccer club, the the money won't be rolling into any of them businesses now, you know, because well, that sort of money you just buy the bare necessities, you know. And um I would suspect if the processor wants us to rear chickens from as well, he would, he'll expect us to grow for the, for the minimum as well and unfortunately where we are at at the moment is, I'd say, it is, I would think we myself is below the cost of production so I can't see us going any lower than we are and I'm sure he'll expect us to grow for less so there's difficulties ahead if we do start talking.
2: When Capoquin chickens went into liquidation a lot of people who'd been loyal to the business over the years were left with unpaid bills. Ned was no different.
4: No, the new owners made it quite clear when they arrived that all that has gone is gone and has nothing to do with them. And I'd say we have to accept that. Like, you know, they can't be held responsible for what has happened before. Like that money is well and truly written off at the stage. Unfortunately, it's a huge hit for every farmer. I would say the average for, from a grower point of view would be in the region of 50,000 euros. That would be average. Um like, that's the average what they're owed, but it comes to an awful lot more than that because, like, most all farmers have been caught for an average of about two batches, and all you're also caught for the cost of them two batches, you know. So, like, if you add it all up, it'll, it'll come to maybe something closer to 70 or 80,000 euros. I can't see myself getting to a situation where I was, let's say, even six months ago, it'll take years to get back to where I was then. You know, like, it isn't a case of just losing a couple of weeks' wages. Like, this is all my earnings for the past two years, all of my efforts for the past two years are all gone completely. Like, is isn't only farmers. Like, the millers, all of the millers were cut for over a million each. Um, there was so many other people. The list of creditors, I think there was a couple of hundred in there. Like, you know, so it wasn't solely farmers or badly cut. Here. It was people that are pushed to the brink business-wise as well. Like, you know, so, you know, like, you know, you have to look after number one first. And that was a mistake everybody had with Capricorn Chickens. There was this sentimental attachment to it like it was everybody else that was trading with the company was carrying this debt for them. You know, so we've all learned a lesson there, a very costly lesson. You know, it won't, it won't, it, won't, it can't happen a second time. Oh, oh things have really changed. Yes, here, huh? yes, uh, we have a full house. Like I say, for me, this, this particular batch... It's going reasonably well, Uh, mortality is very low, they're they're (laughs) thriving away very nicely there.
2: Is it strange now thinking of these as your last chickens? I mean, you're at it, what, going to 20 years,
4: yeah? I'm at it um, nearly 17 years now and yeah, it takes an awful lot of adjusting, like the very first thing I do every morning when I get up is check my chickens, the very last thing at night night, I come over and check them and every time I am going doing anything, first thing I do is check my chickens and... Like I, I'd be hoping This would be a very good performing batch Financially for me Like it would be great help Like before we finish up And um, Because I, I can't see if, if Capricorn chickens aren't interested In me growing chickens for them Like there's nobody else Like I'm just too far away from anywhere else To make it viable To grow Like I have I've spoken to all the other processes in the hope that they might be interested But That's just the distance is the killer Like you know
2: About two weeks later, and coincidentally on the morning that I was due to call up to Ned's for the last time, a panel discussion takes place in the Ryan Tubbury radio show, which, amongst other things, touched on Ned's chickens.
7: Today we're going to be talking about that interesting line, I'll play it again from uh, Brian Anhan's budget recently. Kian it is no less than a call to patriotic action. It is my great honour to commend this budget to the House. Yeah, patriotic honor. What what does patriotism mean to you? Is it relevant to your everyday life or is it just something you learnt in school along with the names? of the 1916 leaders following the minister's uh, call for us to do... So let's economy. take it for the economy. For a small point of view, from my, from my point of view, is if I'm going shopping on a given day to do, I will try still to... I was looking at it the other day, looking for the guaranteed Irish. Mm. Now more than ever, want to buy Irish products, made by Irish people for, if you think, if you like Irish people, and indeed for exporting and so forth. Not easily done. And most shops around the place, supermarkets particularly, you have to go and find your Duns, your Superquins, or your, Super your Centres mm. or whatever, because there's a lot of, as you know, Lidl's and Aldi's, because mm. they're cheaper. Should we... Is it... Is it An economic point of patriotism to buy Irish, for example. Richard, would you go with that or is that a bit clear?
2: Just after midnight, a time when the chickens are most relaxed, I'm back at Ned's to see the last of his chickens head off to the factory. There's plenty of work to be done tonight. Morning, Ned, how are you doing? That's the job. Come here, I'm outside. I didn't want to ring the bell in case I'd wake up the children. The mandatory 30-minute walk through the chicken house to make sure all is OK has to be done. Well, all the feeders and, and water lines have to be lifted to allow the forklift into the shed to load up the chickens. Did
4: you go to bed yourself? I did. Yeah, I went just up. Yeah, I went trying for an hour.
2: Outside, arctic truckloads of crates with yellow drawers are waiting to be filled with Ned's chickens.
4: Cold enough, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Is it freezing out there at the minute? It is, yeah. The windscreen is frozen now coming over. And of course, each individual chicken has to be caught by hand by a team of four chicken catchers, put in the yellow drawers, into the crates, onto the trucks and loaded down yeah. to the factory. All going well, these chickens will be on your shop shelf within 24 hours' time. 100% fresh Irish yeah. chicken. How many are gone now already? Um,
4: about 16. Yeah. Sixteen thousand gone. Approximately, uh, there's fourteen two left. Yeah, and I was just taking. I was walking down along the house there, like you know, being kind of heartbroken about the idea of um, intensive poultry rearing ending. Uh, like you know, as it been a, a link with what has gone in over long, over a long period of time. Like you know, I'm sure it is a link between the food is produced on the land and what's on the on the plate like you know that these birds have been fed by grain that's been been grown by farmers locally like these chickens have been reared by farmers locally and like it's been replaced by something that is imported like in frozen blocks from brazil and places like that and there's absolutely no connection between the consumer and, what, and the producer, none whatsoever. Like, you know, and it's a meaningless frozen block of meat. Like, so many things, like, like when, when let's say when my father was young, which isn't that long ago, really, you know, that all the food that was consumed in the local area was produced in the local area. Whereas now, you could say, from Captain Quinn's perspective anyway, this is, you could say, the last connection. Like, everything is dictated by world price commodities like this is this, that's what has beaten ca- chickens is when it goes it will not be replaced like nobody will have the financial ability to start this up again it won't be like it is something that evolves over a long period of time and that won't happen it can't happen overnight something like that
2: we caught a lonely shape moving on <laughs> through the
4: shed yeah well I suppose it's a, it's a very familiar trip for myself like I do it every single day that I've had chickens for the past 15 or 16 years and I thing about it is like over that period of time like the actual chicken rearing part of it I have enjoyed and it's something that I will miss because I don't know like most batches of chickens I've reared, like have gone very well, very well for me. Like, you know, that they've always been healthy and there's never been any major stress involved in the actual rearing of the chickens themselves. Like, there's always been stress from the point of view of dealing with the company, but actual chicken rearing itself, I've always enjoyed it. Like, you know, so, uh, like, I'll, I'll miss walking up and down the chicken house with my chickens.
2: Just before 1am, the four chicken catchers arrive. Tonight they'll catch 14,200 chickens by hand. Each chicken has plenty of room to roam around the shed, so they have to be chased and caught and loaded up. It's not an easy job.
4: professional
2: now. This is Jim Barry now, the head man. Yeah. Hello, Hello how's
4: anything? How long are you catching chickens oh, now? He's too long. 25 years. Imagine that. And and he hasn't hump on his back. i say he hasn't been bending down too much catching chickens <laughs> now. <laughs> well, what's the program anyway? We're rolling on here. Huh? <laughs> oh, not Not for today,
2: anyway. 16 a crate tonight. Two fives and a six. <laughs> Everyone feels their own drawer, do you understand me? Do you enjoy this job now? Do you enjoy the job? I don't, but I have no other job. <laughs> i a dying trade. We're loading up now, Jim? Yeah. How long will
6: you be at it? For five hours, because we were a smart group, we
2: we mate. We haven't that many chickens to catch tonight, like, you know? For five hours. And what would be your normal night's work now, we'll say, chicken catching? Five, six hours, seven hours. This is a full day as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. And how's the future looking for you now in the chicken catching, do you think? It doesn't look great. Should we have only three day a week this week now? I'll be three next week in it, will it? Possibly, yeah, I'd have to be it
4: then, eh?
2: I'd i have to be it then, we don't know what's happening after that. Do you know? I want to lay All right. No Thanks, Yeah, right. no problem. At about 2 a.m., Ned fills out the last piece of the chicken story.
4: No, um, it's just from the point of view of the records we have to keep. Like this is the final bit of paperwork that, um, as the birds are going to the factory, and basically the plant number, slaughter date, grower, place of loading, feed supplier, species, flock number, uh, date of loading, number of birds, number of birds per cage, age, size. Mortality of seven days, mortality to date. Uh, catching time, start and finish, transport identity. The flock was managed under the Borbia scheme, and they've signed it not, so there's a lot of space for the vet and all the different people in the factory to fill it in as the birds progress to the factory. But also you have to keep a record, basically, the, a dock of when the day-old chicks arrive. You have to keep a record, basically, of everything and samples, of every feed delivery so that anything can be checked like if there's anything any problem with the chickens afterwards like everything can be traced back right the whole way along like you know so and Can you be inspected
2: at any time now? During Oh the- yes
4: the Department of Agriculture can arrive in, in here completely unannounced whenever whenever they so wish and they can take samples of whatever they want like you know they are they have these on the spot checks every now and then on water and They take feed samples as well and send them off. They test them for God knows what as well. It's a simple enough concept, really.
2: If for whatever reason we, as a nation, don't buy Irish, it's feasible that at least in the case of Irish-born and bred chickens, they'll disappear within the near future. When this happens, it's not just the chickens that'll disappear. It'll be livelihoods like NEDs, families like NEDs and communities like NEDs that will just fade away. For the rest of us, we'll be left chewing in a Brazilian or Thai chicken, which we know nothing about and which is absolutely meaningless to anybody here in Ireland. What about the chicken growers now in, say, South America or the Far East or other parts of the world?
4: What kind of paperwork are they filling out now? From what we see on the beef side of it, I don't know if there's any paperwork, but primarily the way the system operates in Brazil is that you have an individual um, operating a site but pretty much everything is owned by the company out there like I remember a, a few of the processors from here went to Brazil to see how they were doing it. One of the things they discovered was the actual farmer was be, he, at that time was being paid a dollar a day he lived in a little tin shack beside his chicken houses and uh, well there's the company's chicken house he was employed by the company he was paid a dollar a day he had a, a little tin shack he had a satellite dish he could watch soccer all day, and um, he was very happy on his dollar a day, and that's kind of what we need to do here to achieve such cheap chicken. Like, but like I suppose what it boils down to is, to a, to a fair extent, it's, it is slavery. Like, you know, that's the only way it can be done at that sort of a price. It also, like, if there was no regulations here, like we could produce chicken much cheaper as well. Like, you know, that uh, the standards of of production if they were a lot lower like chicken would be cheaper but nobody wants the standards to be that low you know you want the standards to be high and you want the quality of food to be good but then you have to compete with something with zero traceability and for it is for all intents and purposes zero standards like you don't know you just don't know where it came from what has been treated with? Like you can go in, like I know of places. Like you can go into establishments here in Ireland, and ask them where's that chicken from. They'll say it's Irish, but they know in their heart's salt it's not Irish, and they don't know where's where it has come from. But it comes. It was cheap. Since I began making this documentary,
2: legislation came into force in the United States that requires country of origin labelling on all meats, including chicken. When or if the Irish government follows suit only remains to be seen. And it's debatable whether the Irish chicken industry will be able to wait that long. In the meantime, the growers in Capaquin have come to an agreement with the new management. And Ned has restocked with 30,000 chickens, half of his usual amount. Because he, along with every other chicken grower in the country, is
4: uncertain of what the future holds. I suppose the people in authority are willing to just turn their back on it and let it die and tisn't a natural death, it's a case of it's been choked to death by to a certain extent the people in Brussels and I suppose to a certain extent the Irish government is the importance to them of cheap food I honestly think like the impression I get like is like if they just shut up and let it die like it's fucking dying let it die and we'll have our cheap food like you know that's the important thing here like don't lose don't lose sight of the important thing here. And this is cheap food, like. If you can't compete with the commodities that have been dumped to the world market, like, you've no business in the business. You know, and that's their attitude. Whereas, like, there's an awful lot more to it than that. Like, you know, the the whole fabric of the Irish society, it's all part of it, like. From an outsider looking at it, it looks like as if the consumer has no regard for what they eat, like. You know, that they're willing to buy whatever is cheap I suppose looking at it on a shop shelf you'd say there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of difference between the two and I suppose it comes back to this thing, unless the consumer wants it, we won't be producing it